Wow, got a good crowd tonight. Yes, we're doing really well. I, I think this topic is very fitting. I don't know if you guys heard about the topic, but it's from overwhelmed to overcoming. And I've talked to a lot of students, especially at this point in the semester, when you just start feeling overwhelmed. We're in this series called Thrive. As you can tell, we have a little handout there. And I have a lot of, lot of quick things to say. It looks like a lot in that handout, but I'm going to blast. Don't worry, okay? So there's two types of people. There is the overwhelmed. And those are the type of people that the slightest thing sets them off. And they, they spiral down and they get anxious and they get worried. And the chaos of life just bombards them. And then there is overcomers. There are people that no matter what happens in their life, they are solid. They are steady. They are like a rock. I, I know both types of people. And I know... I have a confession that more often than not, I get overwhelmed. And so I'm not saying, I'm not up here saying this is how you guys can be perfect like me. I'm, I'm speaking as a fellow overwhelmer. okay? I, I'm speaking as someone that gets overwhelmed by life. And I, I really struggle with stress. So this is something actually God has done a great work in my life. Um, often I, I flip between these two realities daily, on the daily. There's, there's moments where I'm struggling with feeling overwhelmed. And then God, what, from what I'm going to talk about tonight, God changes my heart and changes my perspective and helps me to overcome in life. There's a story from the life of Jesus that I think is perfect to kick off our night. So let's check it out. It's on your handout. It says, and leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this? By even the wind and the sea, obey him. Mark 4, 36 through 41. I want you to circle in your handout, peace be still and find that spot right there. This is a, a statement that Jesus calls out to the wind and to the waves. He said, peace be still. And immediately, this was not just a little rocky. This is, wasn't just a few little waves. This was a storm that was covering the boat. It was, it, was a, it was going to sink this boat. This was a real storm that Jesus said, peace, be still. And I believe that God wants to say that to some of us tonight. God wants to say that to, the, to your heart and to your mind. He wants to say, peace, be still. And he wants to lead you. This is not just, not just for tonight, but for your life. He wants you to live a new, different kind of life where you don't get overwhelmed and, and, and stressed out and anxious about all the things of life, but you walk through life with a subtlety and a, a settledness as, and you can go through life with a solidness. And so my first thing on your handout is if Jesus can calm the storm, he can calm your heart. If Jesus can calm the storm, you, he can calm your heart. I honestly believe that there's people, every one of us here, this is something that Jesus wants to do in your life. Some of you guys are going through storms. Some of it, mainly the storm, 
is up here in your mind. You are overwhelmed, but you honestly don't need to be. Some of you guys have legit problems in your life. And you may be tempted to ask, just like the disciples, where they said, do you not care? Do you not care if we die, they said. And you may be tempted to ask God, do you not care? And I think it's kind of interesting, Jesus' response to that. Jesus said, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? At this point, the disciples have seen Jesus do many miracles. This is interesting. Jesus is, is saying, I've done tons of miracles. Like they, at this point, they followed him around and they, he's seen them, he's seen Jesus, they've seen Jesus heal people. They've seen, they've seen Jesus turn water into wine. They've seen Jesus over and over again work. And Jesus is asking, why are you still so afraid? And I think that's for some of us, no matter how many times, how long we've walked with God, some of us still struggle. We still struggle to, to follow God, but, but we need to, cling to Jesus and to know that the storm is real. Okay. The storm is real, but God is more real. The storm is real. That In this story, I thought it was really interesting. I'd never read really thought about it this way before, but it said the waves were coming into the boat, the boat and overflowing the boat. And I realized like they were in legit danger. Okay. And Jesus, what was Jesus doing while they were in legit danger? He was asleep. I, I picture Jesus, it said he was asleep on a cushion. So he knows how to, how to relax. Jesus, Jesus knows how to take a nap. And I, I really try to apply that to my life. Be like Jesus, take lots of naps. And um, so Jesus, I, I picture Jesus um, like this storm is kind of like a pesky alarm clock <laughs> where basically it, it rocks the boat and he sees all these winds and he's like, oh, and he just goes back to sleep. Because Jesus can sleep in the storm. Why can Jesus sleep in the storm? Because it's Jesus' storm. It's his storm. Jesus is king of the universe. He rules the whole world. And he could sleep in the storm because he owned that storm. He is sovereign over all of creation. Uh, there's a great quote. It says, there's not a square inch in the whole domain over, of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. So every single thing that happens to you in your life, every storm that you go through was actually allowed by the sovereign hand of God. Now, God doesn't cause bad things to happen to us, but God is sovereign in control over every situation in our life. And so... When we face trouble, when we face storms, when we face anxiety, we can know that Jesus is with us. And Jesus may just be sleeping in the boat because he's not even worried at all, okay? Jesus is Lord over the storm. He's Lord over, over all. So the goal of life is not to avoid storms. The goal of life is to face the storms in your life with faith. It's to respond to God and to look to God for the faith that you need. And so God wants to instill a faith in you where you don't get so overwhelmed anymore and you overcome by the grace of God. Join me in praying as we jump into some more practical things I have to say about this. Father, thank you so much. Thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this truth that you can, just like you calmed the storm on that day, you can calm our hearts. I know that wasn't necessarily 
the point of that story. But I think you, you put stories like that in there to give us an example of what you want to do in our hearts. And so I pray that we would, by the end of this night, every person would have a clear understanding of why, of why we can trust you, of why we can live for you. And it's because you love us so much. It's because of your grace we praise you. Amen. So I I came up with four practical points, okay? And there's four practical points, and I couldn't get past the first one. Okay, so this base, I have one main point, and that's celebrate God's grace daily. So you could say this talk is pointless, okay? It is celebrate God's grace daily. We have one, I have one point, and that is, that is a thing that's going to carry you through life. God, God loves you, and God's grace has got this. I could just stop my talk right there, but I'm not, don't worry. Or maybe some of you are like, oh, okay. Um, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is calling to the people in a crowd probably much bigger than this, or maybe about this size. He's saying, come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. I'm setting up a new way to know God. Jesus' way is Christianity is not a set of rules to live by legalistically. Jesus, Jesus came to free people from that. Jesus came to free people from the constant need to perform. The last thing Jesus wants his followers to feel is the constant need and stress to earn his favor. Because there's nothing you can do to earn God's favor. That's actually called legalism in the Bible. It's talking about how you earn, you do good works, and you do enough good things to make God happy with you. And we all have that built inside of us, this internal tension to prove ourselves and to make a name for myself and to to be something and to show them. And just, that's a treadmill that you're never going to get off. And it'll just keep speeding up and it'll be like those fail videos of the people just bumbling, <laughs> falling off. Um, that is what your life will be if you go on the self-performance cycle, is what I call it. The self-performance cycle, if you just try to do better and be better and look better and success and earning God's favor and being good enough and pleasing people, you're never gonna be good enough for God. And that is actually good news. Let me tell you why. Because Titus 3, 5, he saved us not because of the righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, Titus 3, 5. You see, religion says do. Religion says, if, if I just do enough good things, then God will be happy with me and I'll get into heaven and, and he'll bless me and good things will happen in my life. But Jesus says done. Jesus says, I have already pleased God for you. You don't have to please anybody because Jesus pleased God on your behalf. Jesus pleased God. You don't have to perform. The Christian life is not about performance. It's about praise. When you realize who Jesus is and what he's done for you, you can just live a life of gratitude and grace 
The gospel is this. We are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Yet at the same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. Tim Keller. I don't know about you, but that's good news. If you are a follower of Christ, you have nothing to lose and you have nothing to prove. If you follow Jesus, you have nothing to lose and you have nothing to prove and you can live all out for God. You can live a life that's free, that's not overwhelmed, that even if you don't get all your stuff together, even if you don't get straight A's, even if you don't, you get in a little student loan debt, if your boyfriend dumps you, you'll be okay. You have nothing to lose. You have nothing to to prove. And God loves you exactly the way you are. If you are a follower of Christ, you are adopted into the family of God. Ephesians 1.5, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. There is nothing that you can do to make God love you anymore. And there is nothing you can do to make God love you any less. I think about my daughter, Evelyn. She's four years old. There is nothing in the world she could possibly do to make me love her more. I've, she's actually expanded the, the amount of love I feel like my heart can contain. This is Evelyn, okay? She's four years old, and I was sick last week, and she drew me a little picture, and uh, it was two monsters. It was, and this, is, this isn't the picture she drew, but it was two little monsters. She said, I drew this picture for you, Daddy. And uh, this is an example of her work. It's actually supposed to be me, that one in the middle. I'm the fat one in the middle. Um, Thanks. Thanks, Evelyn. I'm the fat one. Um, But what if I said, she drew this picture for me and said, while I was sick, said, this is for you, Daddy. Make you feel better. What if I said, now, honey, now these monsters are not very, or these are actually people, not monsters. And they need to be proportional. You need to go back and fix those before I will love you. What if I said that? No, no good dad would do that. I took a picture. I said, that's amazing. I said, I love you. I said, give me a hug. Come here. And I think honestly, that's the way God sees what we're trying to do for him. Like when we're trying to work for God, we're just showing him some goofy little monsters. Okay. And, and he's like, oh, that's cute. Okay. And he, he knows our hearts. See, God doesn't need us to work for him. God wants us to worship him. He can do more in a moment than you can do in a lifetime. So if our hearts are lined up with him, then he can do more in a moment than we can do in our lifetime. It's not about our ingenuity. It's not about our cool band. It's not about my talks. It's about what God can do. And, and I honestly believe God wants to do so much more on this campus because when we proclaim the gospel of grace, people are going to be drawn to that. People are going to be, want to be a part of a, a community where we don't judge you. You're okay right where you are, and we love you. It's easy to start believing that God's goal for you is to work for him. When first we need to worship him, and then work flows out of that. So worship comes first before work for God. So I just want to tell you, God is crazy about you. God really is. He is really crazy about you. God is for you. God wants the best for you. 
And if you are in Christ, if you are a follower of Christ, it, the Bible actually says you are adopted into his family and you are his child. And God, the love that I have for Evelyn pales in comparison to the love that God has for you. He loves you, not based on what you do, just because you're his. I love Evelyn, not because of what she does, but because she's mine. <laughs> she's my girl, okay? And if you mess with her, I will smite you, okay? <laughs> but God loves you just because he wants to, because <laughs> you're his, because you're in his family. So how much, if you're wondering if God, how much God loves you, here's another one. For you know that it was not... It was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. First Peter 1, 18 and 19. If you ever wonder how much God loves you, look at the cross. Jesus literally spilt his blood for you. He died on the cross in your place for your sin. He took the punishment that you deserved. He bought you with his blood. And that's how much he cares. God doesn't waste his blood. God doesn't, God, it, God if he bought you with his blood, he's gonna bring you through whatever you're going through right now. He's gonna, he's gonna help you. If he went to all this trouble to save you, he's not gonna let you jack this up. He's going to keep you going. He's going to keep you moving and he's going to help you live your life in a way that honors him. So, okay, Paul, you might be thinking, Paul, okay, this is good. The gospel's great, but I want some practical how-tos. I want some more steps. What are the other four points? Are you saying the gospel's not good enough? <laughs> okay, because there's, this, is, this is the thing that everything else flows out of. The, if the, the only, the way you grow in Christ, it's actually called uh, other people, some people call it growth in grace, grow in grace. So the, the people that know God the best are the ones that understand God's grace the deepest, because that is what's going to drive you to love God more because we love because he first loved us. The gospel is not only for saving us, the gospel is what sustains us and satisfies us. The gospel doesn't just save us and get us into heaven. The gospel is actually what sustains us. God's grace is, we are, we are freed when we become a Christian. We are freed from the penalty of sin and, the, and we're forgiven, but we're also freed from the power of sin. And we're able to go forward in power with God. We can overcome. God's grace is like a giant wind in our sails. And we're like the sail. We just get to, we're just along for the ride. But you have to understand God's grace and you have to live in God's grace. And you have to live that out in your life. So you, know, you don't move on from the gospel. The gospel is the, the first and the last. Tim Keller, again, I like him. He says, the gospel is not just the ABCs, but the A disease of Christianity. So the gospel is the thing that it will take you all the way through. It's, and the gospel, honestly, guys, is all we got. The, the, what, the other things we'll teach you is just how to grow deeper in the gospel and grow deeper in your walk with God. And the Christian life is just a life of learning to be more and more in awe of God and who he is and what he's done for you 
that he loves you, that he died for you, and that he rose again, and he wants a relationship with you. So let me explain how this works. Uh, Colossians 2, 6, it says, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. Okay, so just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. So how did you receive Christ Jesus as Lord? There's a great verse. It's called Ephesians. It's Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. It says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can, can boast. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. So according to this passage, how do you make Jesus Lord? How are you saved? Someone want to shout it out. How are you saved? By grace? What else? Through faith. Okay? You are saved by grace through faith. So Colossians 2.6, it's on your handout. It says, just the same way you accepted, you came to know Christ. It says, just as you received Christ as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. So how do you continue? The same way that you get in. And that's by grace through faith. You just keep doing the same thing. You, it's, it's a cycle. You, you preach the gospel to yourself. You live the gospel. God doesn't save us and then expect us to live on our own. God doesn't just get our, our stamp, our ticket to heaven, and then say, oh, good luck down there. Be good. Try to do some good stuff. No, he's with us. His spirit comes to live inside our hearts. We have a daily, intimate, real connection with God. And then his grace and joy can literally be with you every day of your life. And you can grow deeper and deeper and deeper into that. And when I was writing this, this message, like half the time I was at New Earth, uh, a grocery store, it has a little cafe. And I was like, tears were just flowing down. Like, like half the time I was writing it, it was a little awkward <laughs> because people are like, what's wrong with this guy? Jesus is wrong with me or right with me. I don't know. You're the one that's wrong. I don't know. But it's like, man, this, you can never get over the gospel. You should never get over the gospel. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Titus 2, 11 and 12. I love this. I had a mini revival last week and I was struggling with some sin and some, some temptation. And I was, I was just in a place, it wasn't like anything crazy. So don't freak out, but it was like, it was, I was just struggling with shame. You ever feel like that? Like just God, like God's not happy with you. And that's usually Satan that's telling you that, that God's not happy with you. And you just feel bad and dirty and it just didn't feel right. And then this verse popped in my mind. And, it, and as soon as it came to my mind, it was like, oh yeah, it's the grace of God. The grace of God is what motivates me to do right. So it says this, the grace of God has appeared that, that offers salvation to all people. The grace of God teaches us to say no. So it's the grace of God that motivates us. It's not the law of God that motivates us. The grace of God motivates us to walk in obedience, to say no, because that's what I used to do. That's the old me, the sin, all that. Now, because of what Jesus has done, I can just live free. I'm done with that old life. God can forgive you. If you use the, but 
here's a, here's a warning. If you use the grace of God as a license to sin, then you don't actually understand the grace of God because the grace of God is so good that it won't, it will, it will make you not want to sin. Okay. If, if you really understand God, the gospel, you will be changed from the inside out. It's the grace of God is not a license to run over God and to like ignore his commandments. The grace of God motivates us to live a life of gratitude for what he's done for us. So what do you do when you sin? Here's two quick things. The first one is confess your sin. When you do sin, which you will, I do daily and I, I confess daily. And in 1 John 1, 9, it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So simply to confess means to agree with God. So basically I do this every day as I pray and I say the sin that I committed and I ask him to forgive me and cleanse me. And then the next step is preach the gospel to yourself. Preach the gospel to yourself. Yes, we want to preach the gospel to this campus. Yes, we want to preach the gospel to the nations. But the most important person that you can preach the gospel to is yourself. Because you want to remind yourself of what Jesus has done for you every day. You want to grow deeper and deeper in that. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. Grow in your the way to grow deeper and deeper in grace, in God's grace, is to preach the gospel to yourself daily. So I encourage you to memorize some verses on this handout. Memorize all of them for all I care. And use that as a way to worship God and to praise God and, and pray back what God's done. Say, thank you, Jesus, that I don't have to earn your favor. Thank you that I can live this life. And just learn to rehearse the gospel in your mind. Your goal should be to be more amazed by Jesus this time next year than you are right now. And that, that's something that I've experienced in my life. Like I'm just blown away by God and who he is and that he picked me to be on his team. Like I, I really don't deserve this. Like what God has done in my life, if you knew who I was, like you would not think I would be up here. Like, I don't deserve it. And, and the, the more you grow in grace, the more you are, you are just amazed and in awe of who God is. The more you know who God is, the more you're freed from your own stuff. So you are, if you are in Christ, he's going to take you through this whole process from start to finish. Philippians 1.6 Philippians 1, 6, it says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of, of Christ Jesus. So will you sin? Yes, you will. Will storms come in life? You can count on it. But you can count on more is that God's grace and God's presence will be with you every single step of the way. Jesus said this, I've told you these things so that in me you have peace you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. John 16, 33. Problems are actually promised, but so is God's presence. If you're a follower of Christ, problems are promised, but Jesus, what's even better is his presence. If I had to choose between having no problems in my life, but not having Jesus, I wouldn't touch that. 
I would, I would rather have all hell break loose and have Jesus with me and his peace and his joy than to have no problems and to have a, a, a stress-free life because Jesus is that satisfying. He's that worth it. He's the only thing that's going to, and when you have Jesus, you have everything. When you have Jesus, you can overcome anything. I've seen God do amazing things. I've seen people walk through some of the most difficult things that you can imagine. And they have walked through it with faith and with joy because Jesus in Christ, you can be an overcomer. You can overcome whatever comes your way. And that's something I want to continue to grow in my life is to be the kind of person that doesn't allow the storms of this life to get me, but to be an overcomer in Christ. Romans 8, 31 to 39 says, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus can help you overcome. Jesus is the answer to your problem. The God's grace is the, is the answer that you're looking for. The difference between being overwhelmed and overcoming is looking to Jesus for help. It's as simple as that. The difference between being overwhelmed and overcoming is looking to Jesus for help. It's just, it really is. That's all I got, <laughs> okay? Is Jesus is satisfying. Jesus will take you through everything that you go through. Join me in praying. Father, thank you so much. We praise you. We praise you for what you've done by sending Jesus to die on the cross in our place for our sin. And I pray that each of us, that you would do the miracle, the same miracle that you did on, on the water that day, you would do that in our hearts tonight. And then as we go through life, we would learn to depend on you, learn to rely on you, learn to preach the gospel and, and soak ourselves in the gospel and enjoy what you've done. We don't deserve this grace and we are so grateful for what you've done. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.